Welcome to Small Business Big Impact. These are lessons from the trenches of running a business with a multiple bottom line. Purpose, people, planet, and profit. Get the inside scoop on what it takes to succeed at using business as a force for good. Ivelis Morales is our guest today. Her company is Bombilla, which means light bulb in Puerto Rican Spanish. And this company shines bright with its all-women-of-color staff and is fueled by a national network of diverse, co-conspiring creatives on their mission to make the world brighter. In less than five years, this small and mighty team has served over 60 clients in the Bay Area and across the U.S. with brand strategy, visual identity, and graphic design. Evie is a recognized speaker, poet, and writer, and an award-winning entrepreneur who brings a decade of experience in using marketing as a force for good for brands of all sizes. From inside major creative agencies like IDEO and Ogilvy and beyond, Evie has sharpened her creative skill set in public relations, media design, marketing, and communications, all in the service of positive change. When you listen to her, she comes across super chill, bright, and thoughtful. But don't let her seemingly casual demeanor fool you. She's a high-achieving dynamo that has recently learned the hard way that even a beautiful vision can crush you. Well, around this time last year, I was juggling a lot. And um, we had just celebrated our fourth birthday. I had a strong roster of clients, closed off on a successful year, meeting our revenue goals, um, five employees, you know, a lot of inbound organic uh, word of mouth traffic for new work. Um, so from the outside looking in and perhaps maybe on the inside looking out, it looked like things were thriving and going well. Um, but ultimately, I'm really good at masking pain and stress, <laughs> which, you know, has its ties in childhood trauma which I have learned. And, um, and because, you know, this is my business, this is my idea. Um, ultimately, I feel like I'm the host of this party, right? So I have to make sure that the guests feel comfortable, that the food is, you know, flowing, drinks are flowing, that there's paper, you know, paper towels and toilet paper, <laughs> all the things, but all that, you yeah. know, when you, host a party sometimes you don't even get to eat or relax or actually enjoy the party and that's ultimately what was happening with me as the founder and CEO um and you know they say that most businesses don't survive the first year and the three to five year maturity mark really tests a company and I felt that test personally as well because even though we were scaling um, and going from contractors to employees, we were bringing in revenue, um, but ultimately we weren't making enough net income. And uh, last February, I remember a day vividly where I spent about seven hours talking to both accountants. So my CPA was helping me analyze my numbers from last year compared to other years and how I'm tracking. And then my um, bookkeeper and day-to-day CPA accountant was flagging to me that um, 
the last six months, you know, we were experiencing the cash flow scaries and um, miraculously there was always money, right? When payroll hit, but it was, you know, a little bit of a scary dance. A little tight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, in caring for my business and knowing our numbers intimately, she was just flagging to me what's ahead and what measures I have available to me to stop the bleeding, essentially. And so, um, so I'm carrying all of this information. I'm already spread thin because I'm, you know, in the entire C-suite, <laughs> I have five employees that I'm managing who are helping other sides of the business function. Um, and ultimately, it was running me to the ground. Um, so and I'm sure a lot of us can relate to this where, uh, you know, once you enter Zoom land, you don't leave. <laughs> so it makes bio breaks hard, eating hard. I wasn't eating well. Uh, you know, off schedule, Uber Eats was like the main transaction on my card for a little while, barely seeing friends. Um, and I just felt like these are sacrifices I had to make because this is my company, right? Like, who am I to blame? <laughs> it's me. Yeah, who else is going to, who else is going to do it, right? And that too. Yeah. So I was just like sucking it up. And it, I feel like my team was noticing how stressed I was. Um, I wasn't really able to provide my best work either. Um, and I remember just really sitting in doubt that thinking like, maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not cut out to be a CEO. You know, this is, I've been doing it for so long. It's like rinse and repeat. Uh, if this is the stress for the rest of my years, you know, I don't know if I want to uh, stay in this because professional services is one of the most complicated business models, I would say, to keep mm. um, profitable. You need multiple revenue streams outside of creative human hours. And so I went to one of my mentors because I'm a planner. I like to think things out. Uh, pros and cons lists and all that so I went to my mentor with like 12 different options of what I could do because um, I really felt like this was all going downhill and I don't have the capital to hire help my team is already maxed out um, and so uh, you know, there were extremes. One of them was run the company to the ground until we lose money, all the money we have, and I can claim bankruptcy. Woo! That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and then the other option was dissolve everything, take out my 401k, and just take time off and travel. <laughs> and uh, my mentor, who uh, is a business owner herself and actually um, teaches business education to small business owners was like, no, 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 no. Um, there are other options. And ultimately, um, you know, this is your vision, your company, and it can look like whatever you want it to look like. Right now, it's an agency, but tomorrow, if you wanted to turn it into a bakery, you can, <laughs> right? Um, so it gave me some uh, relief and spaciousness um 
because it's easy to fall into like black and white thinking uh when you're very especially when you're so stressed yeah and this and we're talking money stress too right it's um i'm not fully responsible for five other folks but they're relying on me for some income and uh and i'm i'm the main person responsible for sales so clearly um other changes we had to make is how the team is structured, what's on my plate, um, what new additional help I would need to just not have everything online. Um, and so, so yeah, um, with all that said, it's like the, the vision that I have, it's alive and well, but it's still, I'm still carrying it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's the day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, to-dos that always have to get done. There's the curveballs that always come in business and in client services that you have to be ready for. Um, and then like, you know, a key element is I can't forget about myself. I have to be the CEO of my body and well-being um, so if I'm choosing to be in Zoomland all day, no one's going to, you know, yell at me <laughs> or tell me don't do that. Um, it'd be great to have someone project manage me, to be honest. But uh, I've also have learned that because I'm visionary and I like to dream and do, I forget that sometimes what I'm trying to accomplish is a 10 year vision. <laughs> And I have to remind myself that for where we are um, at this point, five years old, um, we've grown revenue year over year. I'm excited to share we've increased our net income considerably compared to last year. So I got smarter with our finances. That also involves taking a class on financial freedom so that I can take a step back and think about what life I'm trying to build for myself and how the business can support that lifestyle and um, that monetary need. And um, I also in that time had to seek mental health support. And I highly encourage all entrepreneurs to seek therapy. Um, or a coach, I use both. So a coach helps me um, with limiting beliefs that are hindering my progress forward. And then a, um, my therapist helps me unpack my past, which is the root of <laughs> my limiting right. beliefs. So it's a nice, <laughs> nice combo. Um, <clears throat> and ultimately, I took many breaks also last year. So um, I, you know, maximized my flexibility and working wherever there's Wi-Fi. So on top of taking time off, I also just switched up my environment, which really gave my mental health a little bit of fresh air, some renewed inspiration and motivation. Um, and realizing, like, I don't have to accomplish everything all at once. Um that there are more options than extremes and that um, it's very easy to 
feel crushed by your big ideas and vision and get upset and mad at yourself when you're not moving fast enough or not accomplishing as much. But, you know, it takes more than nine months to incubate a human baby, <laughs> right? Like, um, yeah, I got to have some patience, right? Yeah. Have patience. And um, yeah. Sort of already sort of moved into some of the things that you've done once you had hit that point, or I don't know if it's rock bottom or it's like the reckoning, but I'm wondering if you could bring us to that point of reckoning, just bring us back to that point of reckoning and like what, what it was like and what, what that experience was. Yeah, I would say, yeah, the moment of reckoning was realizing that I wasn't being kind and healthy to myself and my well-being was on the decline. So mm because I wasn't moving my body, I wasn't um, meditating, leaving my house, socializing, eating well, plus stress. I mean, you can only imagine the contents of my mind, um, the negative self-talk, um, feeling really isolated and insular. And that's when I knew like, I this needs to change because I don't want to harm myself any more than I already am. Um, was there a was there like a, a, a point, like an evening, where you just sort of like looked in the mirror or something and said, "Oh, oh God, what am I doing? This has got to stop." Yeah, it was that day when I talked to the accountants. Yeah. When they when they painted the picture of the track record against the forecast. Okay, that was it. They were like, this, this isn't looking good, baby girl. <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh no. So it's like, I, I, I proved to myself that this company can scale, but it can't scale at my detriment, <laughs> which is right. why you know, I need, for example, uh, to add another senior leadership team member who can carry some of the load. Uh, but to have one person be the the neck the the nucleus for you know a growing company, I even structurally it's it's not strong. <laughs> That's not a strong foundation. Um, and so I think it, you know the money stress, the the outlook, the stress of the outlook the changes I had to make to turn the ship around on top of me not feeling well mentally, physically, emotionally, and not really feeling supported. It, you know, it was feeling like quicksand. Um, <clears throat> and that's why I had to take a break. Um, and so this year, I'm now plugging in my breaks so that I don't reach those breaking points. I've learned that the times I've wanted to quit were times I just needed time off <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm not one to overwork. I like to pack in a lot in a short amount of time. So you won't necessarily find me, you know, staying up late. I might wake up really, really early, but that's just my cycle, <laughs> but I don't have to go so hard. Um, and if I'm going, you know, a million miles a minute, then when will I have time to rest? <laughs> right. I was just feeding into like the 
capitalist cycle that burned me out in the first place in the corporate world and that I was trying to avoid. <laughs> so, yeah. Into your own version of it. Exactly. Yeah. That's why it's like, there's no one to blame but me. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get a gold star, you know. Um, I get a war wound. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you hit uh, you hit this point where it's like so clear that what you were doing wasn't gonna work, and not not just personally, well, uh, financially, and then you like then you recognize personally, oh, right, look what I've been doing to myself here, um, and then you made started making these changes, right? And you plug, you know, creating more space for yourself, and you're also creating more space for everyone, right? Yeah, so um, other changes that we made last year was moving to a four-day work week. And so um, in that sense, we're all being gifted three days of rest. Um, and I'm trying my hardest to keep that day with no business. <laughs> um, and then uh, we're all, we were virtual to start, so everyone has the has flexibility to work from anywhere. Um, a lot of us work from home. Some of us are parents, so that flexibility really works out for their schedules. Um, two times a year, we have a week off called Wellness Week, so it's a company wide holiday to also give everyone respite. And they're timed um, at the end of busy seasons because it's so easy to, you know, sprint and then join another race without resting. I mean, even athletes take breaks <laughs> in their off season. So it's like, yeah, like, totally. Hey, you know, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I really urge my team to stay realistic with their workloads to be honest to over communicate and even with our clients um, sometimes it's easy to absorb their anxiety and urgency we like to talk clients through um, you know what do you need when do you need it by and how can we help you get there understanding that there are bite-sized ways to accomplish what you're trying to get to um, and so, and so in, in having that style as a creative agency, every once in a while, we bump against the client who um, hasn't adopted that way of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Still has a tight, tight grip on their own anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there are agencies that, you know, will produce a whole campaign for you overnight. Um, but that's not the type of agency that... Uh, we have and so i'm really trying to the experiment is how do we make a living make a difference and have fun um because ultimately this is creative work and we're passionate about what we do our clients are passionate about what they do and uh, when those forces meet <laughs> um there's a lot of magic that happens and so with the money piece you know, realizing like you can grow, 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 grow. <laughs> but to what uh, there's there's consequences. Either people, the planet, something's getting harmed to get there. 
Um, so even like the concept of, uh, you know, growing really big, I think to myself, like for what, um, you know, <laughs> at least not at this size, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I would, you know, hire a full C-suite to carry on a, a vision like that. Cause it would be cool to create jobs, but to pursue growth for money, um, I mean, just look at what it, where it's gotten us, <laughs> you know, just take a look at yeah. it. we're in the news. Um, that's what happens when you scale without thinking about what's getting harmed in the process. Yeah, no kidding. And especially, you know, if you're a big core piece of your vision is about making positive change in the world, you know, that's got to happen inside. Otherwise you can't make it outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we're a little... A little train that could. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So if you look and, and looking back, I'm wondering if there's anything that might have helped you catch things sooner, like maybe a, like do less damage or take less downtime or get to this point of uh, greater realization sooner. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's a really great question. I think, I think my challenge, and we might share this challenge, is that are you, are you, do you have siblings? Not really, sort of. I have half, half siblings, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm an older sister. And even as a kid, I was always like a student group leader, you know, whether appointed or self-appointed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when I see something that can be done better or that needs organization, I just naturally step in to help. So, um, I have a big, I'm a high performer. I have a lot of capacity. And that's why I thrived at the corporate agency level because it moves fast. There's always new projects, new clients, new skills to learn. But even that variety can burn you out because you're always learning and never just repeating. And so I think it's a mindset thing, but I have to remind myself that if I if I go from 120 to 100%, it's still good. And even if I go from 100% to 80%, it's still pretty good, you know, because my right. is someone's 100%. And so I guess there's a level of perfectionism because I'm not a perfectionist in the sense that like things have to be <clears throat> flawless. It's more like, oh, I can get everything on this list done today. <laughs> and then when I don't, I'm like, uh, how is this possible? But it's like, well, this is a three month project uh. <laughs> or this is like a year, right? Like I had a mentor tell me once he was like, you're worrying about things I didn't get to until year 10 in my business. Like who cares that you don't have IT policies and protocols? <laughs> you know, what? But it's <laughs> so <clears throat> I think having another person kind of you know, every visionary needs that person who just like brings them down. <laughs> yin, to the, uh, yin to the yang. Exactly. Yeah. Because if it's just me and me, I'm going to be like, let's do it. <laughs> so part of what you're saying is that you're just like, as a result of going through what you, what you did, you've come to realize, like, you know, bring a part of you in focus around realizing that there's part of you that just, that just wants to do things that's going like, to overstretch you. And now you're having to find ways to compensate for that <laughs> exactly 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, yeah, it's like <clears throat> learning to succeed slowly. Mm. It's better to uh, walk the best walk you've ever walked than to try to run a marathon and break your toe because you should have walked. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And when you think about it, when you see like artists or uh, companies that have that overnight success i mean they've really been at it for at least 10 years and with a business if you reach the five-year mark that signals that you have uh, a product or service that's in demand you have found market fit you have returning clients or happy clients that are referring you and so now the next five years it's like how do you keep up with competition you know break into markets, into new markets or deepen where you're at already and create new revenue streams. And so even with the way I staff the team, I'm trying to catch bigger fish that sustain us for longer than to um, find a lot of little projects that will piece together the money, but then create brain stress because we're spread thin over a lot of different things. <laughs> Um, and so that's my revenue strategy right now. And that requires like partnering with larger agencies to go after bigger bids, applying for business certifications that opens up that pipeline and putting the, you know, Batman signal out there <laughs> for clients who have the budgets and understand the value and investment of branding. So it's like you're, you're look, looking to refine your formula so that your the income and the quality of the clients matches what will be sustainable in the longer term. Yeah. Yeah. And consistent consistency is the strategy. So in this last year, we've also invested a lot in our process, our systems and tools. And so it's rinse and repeat, um, refining it as well as we go. And, you know, that does require that I, I stay close to help train the team as well. And so, yeah, being the boss is not easy because there's just so many, you know, burners that are on. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's like my mind's in the future. I have to use the past to inform the future. And then there's the present. <laughs> um, so I got to be in all three places. Sounds like a, a lot. shapeshifter. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Part of what I like to bring with these episodes is see if there's some way that people can uh, prevent or inoculate themselves from stepping into the hole that you stepped into. <laughs> and but also, I, I'm, I'm really getting the distinct sense that this has been a process of self discovery, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I just really wonder if, if, if it would be possible to come to the awareness that you have now without, you know, getting a few bruises. Yeah. What I've learned is, uh, the lessons are in the bruises, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, fortunately, you're also have been had the benefit of using those bruises as lessons and not evidence of your inadequacy or the the fact that it's that, you know what you're doing isn't viable or what have you. That's super important. Yeah, that's a really good point. I am very self-reflective. I do journal every day. 
which is part of my self-care. Um, I've been trying to do it at night to offload my brain. I've been told that's a really good habit. But yeah, uh, running a business, growing a business is definitely personal and professional development intertwined. And what also was becoming really heavy for me is in having employees, you're now in the realm of HR and people management. And that's emotional labor and care that no one flagged to me. (laughs) Or at least I underestimated that, you know, you have different individuals with different lives, different contexts, you know, different lived experiences. You have to meet them all in the middle. You have to make sure that they're collaborating well, that they have everything they need over communicate with them, you know, hold them accountable to their goals on areas of growth. And that's me pouring into everybody. And then I, you know, get empty. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, that's a lot, a lot of you to go around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's why, you know, that's why I've learned that like this, I can certainly grow this team and company, but not if it's just me by myself. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it. And when you look a lot at a lot of successful startups, they have co-founders and it makes sense, you know, because you need someone with the strategy, someone with the numbers, someone who handles the people, someone who handles the business and I'm doing it all and have been for five years. So that's what I mean. Like I can do a lot, but I don't know if I, I don't want to do this for the next five years with this structure. And so I would say also that last year's wake up call um, to recenter myself in business, pay myself more because I also wasn't paying myself a lot, essentially like living paycheck to paycheck because with payroll, it's almost like I'm scared to pay myself first because what if we need (laughs) money for others? And starting to think about what the exit strategy could look like. What does succession look like? Because that is an option. And ultimately, you know, as founders, we have a choice. It it does feel really scary to uh, close down shop if that's what's in your heart. But I've been seeing more founders do that gracefully and proudly because it's not failure. You know, it's like an experiment. Well, and there's always the option, too, of getting the business to be able to run itself and then plug someone in that can do that for you. Yeah, that's what I would like to do. Yeah, because I definitely have learned for myself that I'm a, I'm a, a starter. And so I think what also <clears throat> was draining me was I was stuck in the world of spreadsheets, processes, cash flow analysis, sales data, and worried about the day to day. And so then that was silencing my desires and natural proclivity to be creative and spontaneous big picture that's also why I've been questioning my role as CEO Um, and I think it's because I'm unsupported if I had a COO for example I can actually do more strategy visionary things but if on the operations side I'm like I could do it (laughs) but this is boring (laughs) yeah totally yeah light up my soul (laughs) but I've been interviewing for a a new project manager and I came across someone who lives for spreadsheets and I'm like see 
there are people out there who love doing this. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's so critical. I mean, it's like, um, like um, Michael Gerber, you know, the E-Myth just yeah. talks about, you know, there's this, you know, you can work in the business, but if you, if you want to have a business, you've got to be working on the business and not sort of so embedded in the day-to-day that you can't make use of the benefit of the vision and the, the, the opportunities that you might be able to uh, find or think of if you're, yeah. yeah. And that was a key book that I read last year, The E-Myth and Profit First. So uh, Profit First, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Mike, Mike Michalowicz. And so both of these books were recommended to me by fellow business owners who definitely resonated with my struggles and with profit first uh it's a an accounting philosophy that makes sure you get paid first as the owner the recommendation is to start off with one percent so one percent of all incoming revenue goes to you and then at the end of each quarter you take out 50 percent as a gift to spend to yourself however you want (laughs) Um, and so right now I'm at 4%. He thinks you can get up to 50. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'll take it. Percentage it sounds like, it sounds like a, like a principle that's offsetting a proclivity, as you're saying, to do the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, you know, in Mike's accounting philosophy, if you're paying yourself first, setting aside what you need for expenses, kind of like how you manage your personal books, then, you know, if you don't have enough left over, that means you got to cut back expenses. So you should never be in a situation where you have higher expenses than, than revenue. And that's where I was. We were growing in revenue, but my expenses were just as high. And then with the E-Myth, that's when I realized the, the, the path I was on. I went from being a technical maker to an entrepreneur, I don't want to be a manager. I want to be an entrepreneur. And I do miss being technical, but, you know, there are other ways to do that. <laughs> That's why I came out with like a self-published poetry book um, last year, because I was like, I got to have some fun around here. <laughs> So yeah, I, that's it's super important because that's where that's where the juice comes from, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's like I created this company so I could work at it, but now I'm stuck running it, which is what oh, my ever trying to warn us about. Totally. Well, yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, this may this may sound a bit self-serving, but like I have, a, I know a book that would there's a, there's a remedy to that. It's called Systemology okay. um, by uh, David Jennings, and it's it's my Bible. It's the what I, what I use and what I deliver, but it's all about allowing the business owner to not be the bottleneck, mm-hmm. allowing the business to be able to run like a well-oiled machine. Typically, it's a thing that's required to scale, except you've done it by force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. This has been a lot. Yeah. And uh, you've packed it in, it's like, which sounds like that's just who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I want to thank you for all that you've shared. And it's been, I think I'm going to listen to this episode a few times and uh, bring it all in. It's just been so generous of you to share. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. 
be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you've created a business that's a force for good and you'd like to share your story of challenge and success, go to questio.us slash podcast and click on the share my story button.